Today's episode is presented by Tudor University. It's the only online learning resource for college coaches who want to become dominant recruiters. Visit dantutor.com for all the details. And now, it's time for the show. That's right. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, legendary Grammy-winning Motown backup singer and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Hey, Coach, you know one of the biggest struggles in your profession? It's this. It's managing family time with all of the responsibilities that college coaches have, both on the field, on the court, recruiting, the administrative part, the player interaction and management part of your job. All of that tends to push family time out of the way. And we would all agree that probably one of the sports that most struggles with this, that you hear stories about and and all of the, the crazy things that uh, these coaches do uh, during their season, and that's football coaches. Football coaches at the college level put an extraordinary amount of time into their work, and many times, sadly, family suffers. And of course, it's not just football coaches, it's, it's every coach. They think every coach struggles with this at some level. And of course, the struggle is I want to be successful in my career. I want to be successful in building and managing this college program I run or am a part of, but I also want to manage and be successful at the family part of my life. Well, today I wanted to talk about that topic and and introduce um, one of our uh, clients, a football coach and his staff that we work with, and they are in the process of building a program, but they have put family time as a priority. Now, are they perfect? No. But I thought it would be helpful for you to hear kind of the the steps that he's taken and implemented with his program. And what he's discovering in the process is that he doesn't have to sacrifice the strength and the quality of his program in order to have good family time. So I'm going to dive right into this conversation and let you listen to it, and then we'll talk about it more afterwards. But this is a great one, and I think it's going to resonate with a lot of coaches who struggle with the same things and deal with the same things that this coach does. So here's this conversation. If you're interested in building a great family and personal life, as well as a great program, I think you're going to like it. Yeah, you know, so I grew up in East Texas, you know, and, and like, every, I mean, everybody knows uh, for the most part that, you know, in, in Texas, high school football is king. And, you know, I knew from a pretty early age that I wanted to be a high school football coach or at least a football okay. coach at, at some level. And Why was uh, that? Like, what was it about the, that, you know, the coaching profession that you saw at that time that was attractive to you? Yeah, I think that, you know, I grew up with just my mom. So my mom and dad were divorced when I was really little. So I, you know, I, I know my dad now and, and we're friends and, and, and we've gotten to know each other well now. But as a kid, you know, my dad was not around. Um, he was in the army and he was overseas most of my life. So. Um, so I was with my mom and I think now looking back as I'm older, you know, at the time I just thought I loved football, but you know, in the end, I think, you know, my coaches were my father figures and, you know, I was <laughs> just like a lot of kids. I just didn't want to let those guys down and I wanted their approval and right, you know, right. all those things. It's hard to admit, you know, when you're a teenager that that's what you're looking for. But when I look back and kind of think about my experiences, 
you know, 100%. That was what I was, those were the guys, I mean, that they were, they were the only example I had of a father, the only example I had of a husband. And, and then in the end, I think they made such an impact. I, I knew that's, that's something I wanted to do. Wow. Okay. Um, and so what, so, so what did you see them, I'll say acting like, or just how did they, how do they, they manage their days or what did you kind of see about them early on that, kind of define what their lifestyle was as a coach yeah so you know I think you know as a kid you know you probably don't notice everything you know but the things I do remember were you know in Texas and this is what you hear right so this is all perception so right people right. could have very different experiences than mine but you know I, we would play a game on a Friday night you would see their trucks at the on, at the field house on all day Saturday you'd see their trucks there all day Sunday and you knew they were working um, evaluating the film from the game you just played and then getting ready for the upcoming opponent. And for me, um, knowing I wanted to be a coach and I would just ate up with the game of football, I, I couldn't wait for Monday to hear, hey, this is the next next game we've got so-and-so and this is, you know, just hearing all the, the, the strategy and all those things behind in the film evaluation. Um, so I think that, that was something that I noticed. Um, and I was one of those kids, I, I was going up to the field on, on Sundays and playing catch anyway. So you know, I just, I probably noticed it more than other guys, the, the amount sure. of time that they put in to coaching and, and the profession. Sure. Sure. And then, so as you go through, uh, you play college ball and you get to be a high school coach, what was it, sort of talk to me about um, where, where you maybe started to have some different philosophies when it came to the, the time put into it and uh, and just, you know, the approach of, of the coaching life in general. Right. So when I was, uh, you know, coming out of, out of college, I played for four years, uh, graduated, and I got a high school teaching an assistant coaching job immediately. Um, and at that point, I, I had already been married. Uh, my wife and I got married while she was still in college. So I, I was married immediately after college. Um, you know, we, I, I was what you... I think what most people think of being a football coach, I wanted to spend all my, you know, all weekend, all Saturday, all Sunday, watching film, breaking down film, um, you know, meetings on, you know, nightly or, or whatever that might look like. And that was kind of what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a head coach at the time. Um, and I, I was doing everything I could to position myself for that, um, to become right. a coach. And so in my mind, what did that mean? You know, you hear the word grinder all the time, like football coaches are grinders and this guy, he, you know, the amount of hours they put in. And that was the, I mean, for lack of better terms, the rhetoric of football coaches, right? That's what they say. You know, we, we work harder than anyone and, you know, we put more time in than anyone. And, um, you know, I, in my, in my mind, I thought that translated to on field success, to be honest with you. And so I did all that. And then I ended up, um, through connections and getting to know people and networking, I got a, an assistant coach, a defensive coordinator job at a really, really good high school that had just played in three state championship games. Um, and when I got there, um, same thing. Uh, we were seven days a week, so we would teach all day, um, 7 a.m. to whatever, 3 p.m. We would practice. We met once every, every Wednesday night year-round, we met. So Wednesday nights, we were going to the coach's house, uh, meeting and it was fun by the way I still had no kids at the time so sure, I was enjoying sure. it. my wife and I you know it was it was fine she was an all-american basketball player so she got it and she understood that right. you know, there was a lot of work involved so 
Um, and then I became the head coach. At, so I was a defensive coordinator for four months at this school, and then I became the head coach. So the head coach that I went to work for, you know, he was going to retire and just stay on as athletic director, and he hired me to be the head football coach. So I was 29 years old at the time. Um, right. And so what do I do? You know, we met more. We, so this is a 29-year-old head coach, want to you know, prove myself and win some championships. So it was more. It was instead of one night a week, it was two nights a week. All right, so we were meeting Wednesday nights and Sundays nights at my house. And, you know, it was fun and we were hanging out, but, and we were probably calling it work, but in the end it was probably more like a fraternity just kind of hanging out, you know. And so we, we would do that, and then during the season it was, it was seven days a week. So teach all week, play your game on Friday, Saturday, all day, Sunday. I mean, all day meaning, you know, 7 a.m. to, you know, sure. 4, 4 p.m., you know, whatever that looks like, maybe different times, but – um, but anyway, so I, I, but we had our first child, oh, I, I believe I was 30, I was 30, just turned 30. And that, uh, that first year we had a kid. So my second year as a head coach, we had our first daughter and all of a sudden I'm up at the, I'm up at the office and it's like, I'm missing out on all these things, you know, and, right. and you know, whatever, take your pick on what you're missing out on. And as a parent, people understand what those little things are and. You know, me not. I think part of it is me not having a dad around. Um, realize that I I don't want to be that. Um, right. And I, want, I think at some level for me, you know, my, my dad was in the army and he had he was a career guy and you know for thirty plus years. You know, at some level, our family sacrificed a lot for that. Right. He you know, multiple marriages. He he he's doing his career and you know I didn't have a dad around and what I didn't want. Um, I didn't want my kids to ever have to sacrifice for football. Okay, right. so football's what I do, and I love it, but um, as much as I can control anyway, right, there's always some level of sacrifice, but as much as I can control, I didn't want my kids to have to not have a dad around because I'm a grinding football coach, you know. Right. And so that's when these philosophies that I talked about um, last week kind of really started to come into play is when I started having kids. Right, right. Last uh, when you spoke at the National Collegiate Recruiting Conference, you know, as you're saying all this, uh, I flash back to I was on a flight going to I think it was the second time I attended uh, and I spoke at the American Football Coaches Association convention, uh, AFCA. So that's the the big coaches convention for college, high school football coaches. And I sat next to a guy who was also going to do a presentation. Uh, for the the, uh, the the wives, because the wives of football coaches have their own separate sort of mini convention within the convention, and thought that was kind of interesting, and I asked him what he was speaking on. He was from an insurance company, and his whole talk, Coach, was that uh, when, not if, but when your husband dies early from coaching football, um, <laughs> here's the way you need to position your assets and into your right insurance to have, they were having an entire workshop on when your, you know, when your husband dies out, dies early, uh, here's, here's how to position your family. And this was a scheduled talk. So it was enough of a topic where they, they put it on the schedule and that was really, I'll never forget that, uh, you know, it was sort of a surreal moment that, you know, somebody, Somewhere, it wasn't even it wasn't even a thing where they were thinking, "Whoa, look what's happening in our profession." It was, "Hey, this is happening, so we need to have insurance plans set up." And I, you know, so so you had a little bit of that that uh, 
you know, awakening too when when you have kids, and I think that probably is when it starts for a lot of coaches, both both men and women, um, is when they start to you know have family and, and and children and everything. So, what I guess from a you didn't want to see the same thing happen with your family that that happened with uh, with your dad. So, kind of walk through the process of talking with your wife. Uh, and talking with your staff and you know because at some point there had to be this you know you probably didn't say a lot but yeah, I'm picturing you thinking about like hey I've got to change this but how how do I change this way that I learned to coach from watching other coaches and now put it into some sort of practical application where I can still be successful so can you sort of walk me through like what did you start thinking about well, I, I think so, you know, like a lot of high school coaches out there, I still talk to high school coaches all the time. They're like, hey, man, how are you handling the, How are you handling the stress of college? Or, you know, are you tired of, you know, traveling all over the place? And, you know, all, you know, all these questions that you just when you hear college football coach, what does that mean? That means you live in the office. That means you travel all over the country and you're never at home. You know, so you, so I get those questions all the time. But really, I think it was probably a it was probably a, a four, five month process, really. And we learned really fast because I haven't been, you know, at the college level that long. But so I hired two of my best friends to come coach with me. And we all have families. So, okay. so you made, so you, just to be clear, because I don't think I understood this, you made these changes not when you were back in high school, but once you got the college job. Correct. Well, yeah. So the end of my, so the my last two years of coaching high school, we stopped the weekend meetings. So. Okay. We were headed that way, but with a teaching schedule, you're on a bell schedule and you work five days a week, and that's what you do, you know. And so we would still come in and watch film with the kids on Saturdays at the high school level. My last two years, we just right. didn't. Uh, we stopped the two night a week meetings where we were just meeting year round to talk right. about football, and then we stopped the the Sunday night. And I've and okay, well, I was just, just going to jump in, coach, and ask, you know, so so you cut something out, and that was a pretty big part of. The off season, and I'm sure you did get some work done. There was some discussion of football, and, and you know, in addition to the fraternity aspects that you uh, that you kind of outlined. Mm-hmm. But so, did you feel like you were sacrificing anything by cutting out those two meetings? In other words, did it have a net result on the field or in practice once season started the the following fall? You, you know, no, that's the funny part. The first year we did it, you know, it felt like. You know, you're scared to admit it to your other buddies that you know what they're doing. And we were just as successful. My most successful year of coaching was the year after we did that, when we wow. stopped meeting as much and we, you know, we, we, we were at home with our families, you know, a little more at the time. Um, no, that, it was our, we, we didn't see any, we saw only positive benefits from the, from, uh, from, from cutting some of those meeting times. And, and in the end, we were more, you know, like, People hear it and they they're probably won't even believe me when they hear us talking about this, but I was more excited for practice. I was more excited for games. Sure, sure. There was a little bit of, it's how I feel today, right? I have I have good anxiety is what I call it, right? Not bad anxiety. I, I'm excited to get to the office because we're just not, we're not around each other all the time. Like we, right. we, we set parameters on our work day and then we go home and hang out with our families. I'm on my way to work every morning. I'm you know, I mean, I'm excited about getting in there and I, and I have a list of things I want to get done for the day. And um, that was the, the benefit and really the result of everything was just more energy, more excited um, about about getting to work and, and in the end, more successful. So, so you make those changes at the high school level. You cut out the, the 
sort of off-season, uh, twice-a-week meetings. Mm-hmm. And then you get the job at college. And I think for most coaches, especially if whether they're a uh, assistant coach in college that finally gets the head coaching opportunity or like you, the high school coach, successful at that level, and you get the opportunity to coach at college, that's then sort of the mental justification. And certainly society would even say, like, all right, hey, coach, we know you got to go back to the grinder lifestyle because, you know, now it's college. Now it's, it's this next level up. Um, but you didn't do that. So walk me through, you get the job and kind of how, just walk us through, like, how you built out the schedule and what was the philosophy going forward. So immediately the first thing we did, you know, I – you know, even knowing what I learned at the high school level, but all of a sudden you're a college, like you mentioned, you know, you're a college coach now. And I, I had known several college coaches. And so quite honestly, in our first, those first couple months, we just did what, what college coaches do, you know, which is you drive all over the state or the, the region, um, you know, this to that, travel, travel. And uh, we did that at first. And quite honestly, three months in, I think all of our wives were looking at us like, this is way bigger a change than I thought, you know, right. and we have some, we, a couple of our coaches have a few older kids and um, starting to get into, you know, athletics. Um, one of which has a really an elite level wrestler as a son and he was missing stuff and he had never missed, he had never missed his kids things. And finally, you know, so what we did, you know, this is obviously over the course of a couple months. Sure. Um, we realized that we were looking at how much money we were spending on hotels and gas and food um, and then looking at the amount of the amount of real prospects and so not just names and not just people uh, but but actual prospects that we were you know, we were getting out of this and we just looked at it like man we're we got to do something different this is crazy um, and so that's when we made at that time we made the shift to to what we're doing now and um quite honestly we've we've gotten our talent levels improved that we're recruiting we have a better relationship with high school coaches than we did um and i'm i i, I take pride i i like to think i'm at home more than any college coach in the country um and now i don't i don't think it's hard to say that but i really think i'd be up there and you know my kids i, I take my daughters to school every day um none of our coaches miss anything of their kids we uh I think I told you the story about we have a, a redshirt freshman quarterback who wants to be a coach one day. I mean, he just ate up with football a lot like me. Um, and our quarterback's coach son had a wrestling event. And so I told my quarterback coach, go watch your kid wrestle. And it was in a different state. And our redshirt, redshirt freshman coached the quarterbacks for the day. And we won that week. So, I mean, you know, nothing changed. In fact, I, in fact, I fired that coach that week. No, I'm just kidding. No, we, he's one of my good friends. But the point is, we were just, we were just fine. And then our redshirt freshman quarterback feels invested in the program even more. He got an opportunity to coach, and you know, the you know the peer coaching. It was right, right. I mean, it was just it was all around like, man, this is this makes total sense, and just glad that. I don't know if it's an ego thing, but we could kind of step away from ourselves and be like, look, we're not, we, we want to be different, right? And so part of it is when we recruit, we recruit families really hard um, and parents and we communicate with the families big time. And so one of our one of our, one of our things we tell parents is that, look, we're going to win football games here. We really believe that at a high level, okay? But in the end, where I learned most to become a great husband and a great father, or at least what I aspired to be was from my college football coach. 
Okay, so if we're telling people that we're recruiting their kids and this is a family, we call it a brotherhood, but if this is, if this is a family atmosphere, which all coaches say, but I'm missing every one of my kids' events, I'm never at home, so in the end, what most people would define as an absent husband or an absent father, I mean, how genuine are we being with the people we're recruiting, you know? And so that was a little bit of a kind of a, you know, a, a kind of check yourself a little bit on this. Like, are we really modeling what we say we're modeling? Sure, sure. And we, we communicate with our players that. We let our, like, the for instance, the situation I told you, we let our kids know. I was like, hey, coach so-and-so went to his kid's wrestling tournament. We kind of outlined the tournament. We showed, we we gave them the link where they could watch him wrestle and watch him coach his son. And I think kids appreciate it. You know, we, we've never heard a kid say that we're not putting in the hours or we're not prepared for a game. You know, it's, it, and, the, and the funny part is our kids still feel like, I mean, whatever, the, it still feels like a grind, I guess, even though I know I can quantify it and show you that that's not, it's not. Right, right. We'll be back to the show in just a minute, but first, a quick question. What makes a college coach a more intelligent recruiter? Well, it starts with using technology that actually gives you insights and trends when it comes to the recruits you're communicating with. That's the mission of Advanced Recruiting Intelligence. RE gives college coaches the ability to track, rank, and communicate with recruits like no other app available to coaches. And the best part? It costs 20 to 40% less than what most departments are paying for their older recruiting contact management programs. For a free demo, and to see why so many coaches are saving money and using better technology to boost their recruiting results, visit ARIRecruiting.com. And now, back to the show. Right. Hey, so going back to uh, the, the travel part, the scouting part, because that's something that I've heard a lot of coaches talk about over the years that they either made adjustments or oh, I can't make an adjustment. We have to go to these tournaments. We have to be here, go here. And it, walk through just like the, the evaluation piece that you did. You said you took you know the money you were spending, obviously, but then from a recruiting standpoint, you kind of analyzed, are we actually getting something out of the travel that we do? Can you just walk a coach through that that might be thinking like, yeah, you know, I get the feeling like these aren't really valuable, but we got to do them because everybody else is there or everybody else, this is just the way we've always done it. What did you do to evaluate that? Like, what, what did you find when you dug into the numbers of, uh, you know, the results from, from all that travel? Right. So, I mean, honestly, we did it. We did. I, I think I'm not a businessman. I was a I was a PE teacher at one point in my life, but a cost analysis. Right. So we just looked at how much our how much money because our business, like everybody's business office, they can tell you the exact dollar amount you spent. Um, we went through and looked at the kids that we so our first recruiting class, we 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 was on our old style. Right. Or whatever people think of a college football coach. Right. Right. And we right. We, we, we looked at what we evaluate, whether we evaluate them as an A for us, a B for us, or a C for us, okay? And then we kind of went on the Bs. Like, how many Bs did we get for the amount of money we spent? And then we went per player what that looked like. Um, and so, and then this past season, we just did that again. And it was, um, you know, without saying specific dollar amounts, it was significantly improved um, this past year where we went straight, um, where we're not, we're just not on the road as much as probably anyone else in the country. Right. So not only did it not hurt your efforts, it actually helped and, and made it more productive is what I'm hearing. 
Right. Yeah, exactly right. So what we did is we kind of sat together as a staff and we made a commitment to it. It's like, look, okay, what's the scary part, right? If there's a coach listening to this right now, what's the scary part? So the scary part is, okay, these high school coaches expect me, expect me to be in their building and they expect right. you know, some type of relationship, right? And I think that's true. I, it, there are, you know, even, you know, at the small college level to, to the division one FBS level, there is a big movement to kind of, you know, the, the promoters and these, these recruiting agencies have a little bit of a bad rap. I mean, that's the reality on the football side of things. Um, and the high school coaches, you know, football is its own animal in that regard, where high school coaches have a little power, I guess you might say, um, and they have big influence on their players. So the scary part is, okay, we're going to lose relationships. And if, if the school I recruit against the most is in that building, I'm going to lose kids to him. And that, that's, what, that's what you're scared of, right? Right, um, right. So what we decided was, well, what we'll do is because we all have these little phone things and we all know the coaches already, we're just going to call every coach. And we and so instead of traveling, we call the coach and we just tell them that, look, the reality of our situation, we don't have the budget that, let's say, an Ohio State has for recruiting. We don't have that. So most coaches understand that. And we just let them know, like, we do want to recruit your kids. Um, we're excited about Dan and we think he could play quarterback for us, um, but we're just not going to be able to get in your building. And then we ask for their evaluation. But while I've got you on the phone, could you tell me about them and would you recommend them? So we still get every everything we would have gotten face to face. We get and yeah. we just kinda, we're just we're just honest with them. And, and it is not it is true. We can't afford to travel to every high school in the country. Um, and so the coach feels empowered in that. You did get advice from him and you did listen to his evaluation of his player. Um, and then we saved money and time and what it would have taken, let's say it's a school two hours away. So two hours there, two hours back in four hours, I can, if I chose, I could literally make 40 phone calls. And for the same, the same call, 40 prospects, 40 coaches. Um, so now you're building this recruiting network, you're, um, you're getting a legitimate evaluation of the players and sometimes they say i wouldn't take them coach and boom then you just saved yourself the drive right and so that's kind of what we do and i try to you know we try to build our network that way through coaches and you know every now and then we do we will travel to see a recruit every now and then but for the you know for the base you know the initial recruiting process where guys are trying to build their database or, or whatever that looks like for for an individual program we don't we don't do that we honestly use our phones <laughs> and so right, right. Um, it's been so then i can come to work work for three or four hours and then i mean think of the stuff you know you, if you can contact you know 40 is probably a little bit of an overstatement but even if it's 20 i mean if you did that for five days in a row with a staff of six you just you just talked to 600 high school coaches um, yeah, and so so it's not what I'm hearing you say, Terry, is that it's not that you guys are, you know, you bought a with all the money you bought a jacuzzi and you're just sitting <laughs> in the office, uh, you know, sipping diet cokes and coming yeah. back and not working. It's that you re you've refocused where the work is happening and you've actually made it more centered around the office or local where you know you can get home when you want to be there and. It hasn't resulted in a uh, you know, in a net loss of, of recruits. Right. No. It's it's we, it's been a net gain, and, and for my family, 
and in recruiting. Right. Um, but yeah, no, certainly we just work, you know, it's learning some things that we've learned through people you're connected with. We're just more diligent about our work and we're more sure. intentional about our work. And it's like, look, for the next two hours, we're going to instead, of, we all like each other. So my, you know, one of the, if we have anything special going here where I'm at, we all, our coaching staff loves each other and we really care about each other. So the hard part can be, you know, we could sit in a room and all of a sudden four hours just went by and you didn't do anything, you know, because it's, we all, we all look forward to seeing each other. Right, um, right. But what we do is we're more intentional about our schedule and say, look, next, you know, whatever days a week for these two hours, this is what we're doing. We're going to get on the phone and contact coaches. And it's been, you know, it's just been, it's been a huge impact for us and for the amount of player we get. And, you know, one of the things I, I would say is at a, at a small college, you know, so I was a high school coach and I treated all small colleges the same, Dan. I mean, it's just the reality It's true, right? So if, I, if, if Ohio State walks in, you know, they get, you know, and they want to see Dan Tudor and they want to see this kid. I'm going to show him Dan and like, here he is. And I'm going to spend a lot of time with him. Most small college coaches that are, that are listening right now probably go into a high school and they get shuttled into some equipment room or locker room or <laughs> office with 15, every senior they have, whether they can play or not, every senior they have, and you get, you get to, you get to give your spill and you have 10 minutes before the bell rings. Well, I mean, how ineffective and uh, you know impersonal is that? You know, you know? But, but I can hear coaches all around the country listening to you say that, and their immediate gut reaction is, "Well, but that's the way we've always done it." Yeah, that, that's, and just, that's, that's what you're supposed to do, and that's what you're saying. <laughs> you you sort of were thinking about. Yeah, it's what I did. I mean, it just was. It's like bang for your buck. I was a high school teacher. I had to get grades in. I had parents emailing me because they were mad about a grade. I mean, you know. People are busy. I don't think it's even coaches don't mean to be disrespectful. It's just you got to understand when you're the high school coach, your life doesn't revolve around the 50 coach, colleges that are going to come in your your building that day. In fact, it honestly, it's more of a bother than it is a, a help. And that sounds really and I, I see guys that put this out there a lot, you know, and they, they, they put every high school they're at. And all I think about is when I was a high school coach dreading, well, who's coming here today? And now I have to get this, you know, I've got to get this kid out of geometry. I've got to get this kid out of algebra. I don't think college coaches realize how hard it is to get 15 to 15 kids in a room for you for 10 minutes before the bell rings. It's and and then the and then the English teacher's mad because well this kid hasn't even turned in his essay and now a football coach is getting him out. You know, and it's just all the things that you, people don't realize. Or as a college coach, let me say it this way: you may not understand happens behind the scenes because you're just trying to do your job it's not you don't have bad intentions you just don't always think of kind of the back end of it and how it affects that high school coach you know and so right right yeah so that, that and in the end you really want one of them anyway so why not recruit that kid that's kind right. of how we, that's what we have done so instead of you giving me 10 kids i want to recruit the kid i want to recruit that that one who i believe can play Got for it. yeah so uh two more questions for you on this and it's been helpful to to know that you know, you develop sort of your own system and it has to be every coach is, you know, it has to use their own system if they're going to make this kind of a change, but you develop that. But I, so two questions, um, first sort of a big picture thing. Why is it that all this has happened in college coaching, especially, but also happens at the high school level. Um, and it, it happens a lot in football, of course, but you know, like basketball coaches, soccer coaches, Everybody is probably overcommitted to, you know, analyzing film just one more time, 
let's break down that video one more time. Let's, you know, review it, review it, review it. And they're spending a lot of time, uh, you know, just not focusing on, on maybe what they should. Or or once they have it, they know it, they, you know, the comfort level sits in. And you, let's review it again, and we're going to know it, you know, twice as much. I guess I'm just wondering your thoughts on how how and why that's happened in in college athletics, where sort of our default is we just got to work more. We have to outwork everybody. Um, and I'll tell you my theory, but I want to hear your theory first. I think, um, you know, in my limited experience, so you, you, you would actually be, I would defer to you on this a little bit, right? Because you've been doing this a lot longer than me. But I, I think there's real pressure to win, okay? And I think... Um, most football coaches loved me. So they were football players and they loved football and they loved all the lifting and the, and, and everything that went along with it. So th- there's pressure to win. And, you know, in order to win, what do you have to do? You just have to work harder. You know, you just have to work harder. And that was what I told my whole life. You know, I wanted to go to the NFL, just like every kid in America wanted to go to. And, you know, unfortunately I believe the harder you work, the better chance you had to go. Well, that's, or division one, that's not true. I mean, at some level, you're born an NFL football player, right? Now, you can't mess it up. But, um, but anyway, so I think there's pressure to win, and our, our, inherent, our, our, fee, our gut feeling tells us just work harder, right? If things aren't going well, if I just work harder, it'll pay off. And then secondly, I think it's a way to – if you're not – and I'm very lucky to be at a place, and I've, I've become friends with our vice president of admissions, I'm friends with our athletic director, and I'm friends with our financial aid director. And they know we work really hard. There, we do produce results. But I think I could see a situation to where, let's say we're not winning, and people don't perceive me as recruiting hard. Well, what happens? You know, you lose your job. And so I think it's a way to justify. I think it's a way to justify. Maybe you have low numbers. Let's say your roster goal is, you know, whatever your roster goal is, it doesn't matter. But let's say you're not meeting your roster goals. I think traveling around and saying, well, I visited this many kids here and this many kids here, I think it's a way to justify um, why you're not meeting your roster goals, right? And then you can blame a host of other things. You can blame, you know, the cost of school, the your facilities. I mean, we don't have enough coaches, right? You can find a lot of things to blame right. Right. instead of, well, maybe you're just not, you're maybe you're not being efficient and working smarter, you know, because I, you know, and again, I, I think the fact that we're over our roster here, I think if, if we can do it here, I think anyone out there can do it. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a matter of finding a system that works for you. And what we do may not work for everyone else. And, and, you know, and, I, and I don't expect there to be this giant wave of change because of the way we do things, but I do think those are the two reasons. I, off, the, off the cuff, I would say those are the two big reasons. Got it. No, I, I, think you, I think you nailed it, especially when it comes to on the football side, uh, in that sport, it's you know you've got to you have to outwork everybody on the field in the weight room off season can't take a break and then that filters into into coaching and I do think too coach that it's a there is a comfort level that uh, well if I'm doing all this if I'm literally uh, falling asleep in my office and not leaving I'm showing my commitment so if I'm not successful it has to be some other reason it has to be somebody else's fault uh, and so I, I think you, you made some assessments early on in your career that a lot of 
a lot of guys and and women in their 60s or 70s looking back on their career never never figured out so last thing i want to ask you is if there's a coach that's listening to this they know that things are out of balance they know that uh you know what you know i'm not doing the job i need to do at home or i'm just i'm just not i don't need to do everything that i'm doing in the office what would you say are the first three or four steps that they would that you would recommend them taking to evaluate or to begin to make more of those changes that could lead to just equal results or maybe even better results in recruiting or on the field, uh, but but more time that you know they have that balance in their life. How, what would you what would you recommend as the first three or four things they they do? Yeah, you know I I think really looking at. Um, the, you know, one of the things just, you know, it's hard to, to narrow that down completely sure. because it was such a long process, but I would start looking at, okay, the amount of kids I'm visiting out on the road, how many kids are visiting campus, right? So how many kids are, if they're, if they're not coming to your campus and you're visiting them on the road, they're not a real prospect. That's how we, that's how we evaluate that. Um, so look and you know find out you know what is is it ten percent is it eighty percent you know if if you're hitting a high number and you're at your roster goal man it sounds like you know maybe I can learn from them right but I would I would start there right as far as hey how many kids are are, are actually visiting campus that you're meeting out on the road um, and then you know secondly um, I would evaluate you know your cost do a cost analysis okay this is how much money we spent on recruiting um, this is the see how many kids you really brought in that you're excited about that you want to coach that you think can develop in your program um and, and then look at your hours in the office you know and so for us what we did we kind of thought about you know let's say we did a 6 a.m lifting group okay from six to seven but then we just hung out in the offices from seven to three p.m because we were waiting for practice to start well there's a lot of hours in there that were wasted you know so maybe moving lifting back to 11 a.m. if that's possible with your schedule and having your coaches not come in until 10 a.m. Well, then they just say you just save them four hours at home with their family, you know, and coaches that have young kids, they're helping their wife in the morning, get their kids up and out of bed or potentially take kids to school. And in the end, you didn't really change much. You still lifted that day. You still made it to practice. You still got everything you done you need to do. And um, so I would look at maybe some lost hours in the day. Um, I think most for most people that probably happens, and this is just totally me saying this. Yep. After lunch, so you go eat lunch, and then after from lunch to practice, are you really doing anything? Um, and maybe some people are. For us, we were not. We. All right, coach. I hope that was helpful. Really appreciate that coach opening up and sharing kind of some inside things that he deals with and how they've been successful in large part in creating this good balance between building a solid program and the time demands that his football program takes, but also balancing that again with family life. And if you got anything out of that, that makes my day. Because look, we want to be successful coaches. We want to build successful programs. But at the end of the day, the the family priorities, the personal relationships matter as well. And that's one way to balance it. And it's what one of your peers has done to find that balance. If you have more questions for me about this or any other recruiting topic, I am available by email, dan at dantutor.com. Uh, obviously, a lot of free resources on the dantutor.com website. You can go to the blog section and pull up 15 plus years of research and articles and techniques and strategies that we've seen work with college coaches. So 
That's available for you as well as all of the other ways that we work with college programs, coaches, and um, focusing on recruiting and building great programs through great recruits. We really appreciate you listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Also, if you haven't yet, please subscribe, leave some feedback. We would love that. And, and most of all, tell your fellow coaches within your department that we are here and we're talking about these things that matter so much to the success of coaches in their college profession. Coach, thanks. We'll talk to you next time. More great stuff coming up. And we really appreciate you listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2016 through 2020. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or stream us on Stitcher, and make sure to tell the coaches in your department about the show. Email the host at dan at dantutor.com and visit the website to access more of the free resources we give to the college coaching community. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.